Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and I am joined today by Dr. Tasha Starks. Dr. Starks, thanks so much for making the time to come on. Thank you for having me. So this is the first time we've been in a room together. Yep. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, and we'll likewise. talk about a little COVID-19, a little mm-hmm. vaccine. Uh, but before we get into all that, I would love to just know, how did you end up in Paragold? So tell me a little bit about your story and kind of how you ended up at uh, working as a doctor here in our city. Awesome. I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. I moved to Jonesboro, I guess about nine or 10 years ago to further my training in family medicine. I trained at what was formerly known as AHEC Northeast. Now it's UAMS Northeast. And once I completed my training, I started working at St. Bernard's and I was there for a few years and ended up wanting to do something a little bit different um, because I've had a baby recently and I was a, now a busy mom. Uh, uh, not two, but three. <laughs> and so <laughs> MMC awesome. at that time was looking to have their own family medicine clinic here in Paragould. And we had connected previously. I'd met um, Barry Davis and some of the other people that worked with him in previous um, events. And we reconnected and they wanted to really um, have their own family medicine clinic. And I was like, hey, I love family medicine. I'm interested in taking care of people in the clinic. I really enjoy and miss that because at St. Bernard's, I was just primarily working as a hospitalist, just taking care of people in the hospital mm. and, as opposed to taking, them, taking care of them in the clinic. And um, I started that position in 2017 and uh, we grew. So now I'm sure everybody's familiar with the Arkansas Methodist Medical Center Family and Women's Health Center, which is an awesome and a very beautiful new facility where we um, take care of women, children, men. We now have an urgent care. So if you need um, to be seen urgently, you can just walk in or you have to call, essentially. Our, mm-hmm. our lobby is still closed, mm-hmm. but you can call the number that's posted outside the doors and uh, tell them that you need to be seen urgently. So we have an urgent care. We also have obstetricians and gynecologists along with family medicine physicians and nurse practitioners. So um, they're primarily, I love it. I take care of people every day. It's what I do. I also serve as the Greene County Health Officer. So I get opportunities like this to speak to the public and really provide education, whether it be about COVID, colon cancer, breast cancer and, and mammograms and just all sorts of things. Um, I always say that I'm really a teacher. Maybe I should have been a teacher. I was just sharing with you before we actually got started that I was like this this little girl who grew up in uh, you know, an area of Little Rock that maybe wasn't necessarily considered one of the better areas. And mm-hmm. so um, when I started talking about I wanted to be a physician, people were like, what? <laughs> who? When did you start talking about that? How I was young. You? I was probably... Seven, six, really? seven, and I really don't even know why. I always say it was a God-given thing. It was what the Lord wanted wow. me to do. And 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 when I really began to walk in it, I was asking God, "Are you sure?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like me, like <laughs> like me, like me. Nobody else from your family was in that. Field Nobody else was in my family. Heck, they thought I was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You want to be a what? Um, and so you know, my steps were ordered. Wow. And so um, here I am. 
loving what I do, and my family is super proud, and my friends and those Man, who, I bet. who know me and, you know, have, have heard some of the, the things that uh, it's taken for me to get here, but I'm just glad that I'm here, and I, I couldn't ask to be in a better position at a better place at this particular time. That's awesome. What do you enjoy the most about the work that you do? I love people, so I enjoy talking with people, and the one thing that I really enjoy about family medicine is I take care of everybody, so I know you're Excuse me. I know your mama, your daddy, <laughs> your grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Know the whole family. Yeah, I know the, you know, to be comical. Yes, I enjoy that family interaction and essentially taking care of people from the cradle to the grave. And it really does give me some insight because certain things that, you know, um, exist within families, if I only had one particular member of that family, I might not understand. Yeah. But when I have a whole set of family members, it makes sense. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, so mom kind of did it this way or dad did it this way. So now I understand why son or grandson wants to do it like this. And so some of those things can be good. Yeah. And some of those things are bad. For instance, if they say, well, you know, I know that my grandmother had her toes amputated because of diabetes, and I'm just kind of like, you know, expecting that the same will happen for me. I'm like, no, yeah. let's, let's stop that right now. Let's make some lifestyle changes. Let's, let's do this. Let's talk about weight loss. Let's talk about all these things that I can help you do um, to prevent the same thing that happened to grandmother yeah. from happening to you. That's huge. So... Those are some of the experiences that I get to have by taking care of the whole family, which I totally love and enjoy. Man, that's awesome. And I can, I can sense that you're passionate about that. We, we do something here called the Genneagram, which is where, you know, we do it for the purposes of marriage counseling, but we'll have someone put on a, like on, on a whiteboard, basically their, their grandma and the grandpa on this side, grandma and grandpa on this side, and then, you know, their kids and aunts and uncles and all that. And then we'll say, hey, literally list out all the information, you know, medical history, anything else, relational patterns, big decisions they've made, you know, all of that. And it's incredible how generational, there, there really is generational blessings and generational cursings. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like there are just things that we do because that's just what was done in the generation before us and then that generation and that generation. And it's just super cool. I never really thought about a doctor being able to help kind of reverse that curse or bring education and basically stop. Of like, no, 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 like maybe your mom thought that way. Maybe your grandma thought that way. But like, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that at right. this point Absolutely. forward. Like we're going to not just improve your life, your quality of life, but even your kids, your kids. And Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. So tell me, when did you start working um, at Arkansas Methodist? September 11th of 2017. September 11th of 2000. You remember that? I remember that because I remember September 11th in general, as yeah, many do. Right so on. absolutely, uh, that was my first day. 2017. Yep. Okay. And so you're just kind of trucking right along. You're doing your own thing. And okay. then 2020 hits. Oh, my gosh. So yes. talk to me about that. Um, where were you when you first heard about COVID and kind of what was your initial reaction to it and and then just kind of pick us up from there. Is that going to progress? So I was actually at work, and um, they were talking about this this virus. And um, we were like, what? And so at that time, um, I'm going to be honest. At that time, we really didn't take COVID very seriously. I can remember that we gave um, a lunch and learn just to kind of talk about the virus itself. And that may have been in January, February or so. And I was one of those people that was like, hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, because at that time I'm thinking this is probably going to be just like the flu. Sure. 
So um, we talked about it. We talked about some strategies for prevention and protection. And at that time, the funny thing is, is that we were encouraging people to be vaccinated with the flu vaccine. We were like, hey, this year you should probably um, focus on being vaccinated for influenza. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like the push for that that lunch and learn. Not really so much about COVID. It was like, yes, we, we know it's here. But we're thinking it's going to be something similar to influenza. And so we want to encourage everyone to get their flu vaccine Mm -hmm. and not panic. And, you know, to only a few months later for Dr. Stark's socks to be blown off and to have to go back and recant what I had initially said in in that meeting, um, because it it wasn't true. This was so much more um, in terms of everything, infectivity, um, in terms of death rate, in terms of transmissibility so many um things so yeah i was one of the naysayers in the beginning yeah and so but you've kind of become the resident expert and that's what they the tell coronavirus, me right yeah so tell me about that like how did that wow how did you fall how did you fall into that <laughs> that place get that reputation um i you know it just started out as i began to really study um just about the COVID virus itself and to really just you know it seemed like Every time something came out, I was just, I wanted to know. And at that time, I was trying to help lead my clinic in terms of what we should do, how we should do this, how we're going to manage. And so I just, I mean, literally, I, it seems like I was studying, investigating, reading on something, you know, COVID-related every day. Yeah. And I feel that way now. I feel like um, if I haven't looked at numbers or if I haven't looked at the newest update today, then I need to do so because the information is changing so fastly. And it was so funny back then, a few months ago, I used to tell my, uh, the people that I work with, the nurses and our staff that, Hey, if I tell you something today, don't worry, it may change tomorrow. Especially if you don't like it. Listen, if you don't like it, it's not, you know, this isn't working (laughs) for us. Don't worry. It may change tomorrow. So literally, and I think, um, as I learned more and people would ask me to speak, you know, so I'm speaking like one place, and then the next thing I'm in two places and the next thing I'm three places and I'm getting multiple request, requests to talk about um, COVID. So I guess it's just kind of, it's, I don't know, it's just yeah. taken well, you're on not its own just, life. You're so. not just informed, but you're yeah. a really gifted communicator. I told you that well, when we talked on the phone, you're well, clear, you. you're very personable, well, uh, you. articulate. And so I try to be, yeah, yeah. You, you handle yourself very well. And so I, I'm curious, what do we, what have we learned about coronavirus? Like, what do we know at this point? It's been what, by the time we're recording this, I guess it's just over a year, like anniversary, right? right? From whenever this was declared a pandemic. So what do we know for sure about the coronavirus at this point? Well, we know for sure that we've had almost 30 million cases in the United States um, and 534,000 deaths. So those things are certain that this virus is, is deadly. You know, we've lost so many um, to the coronavirus. And so we know. And why is that versus influenza? It is much more um, aggressive in terms of its infectivity. Um, it is transmitted much easier. So we know that it's transmitted via respiratory droplets, secretions. If you cough into the air and you've got a vent above you, it can travel. Um, it can land on surfaces, and we've gone back and forth about how long that it, you know, yeah. it will live on different surfaces. But we know that it can, and so that's. I always tell people that's the most important thing. So if you touch 
a surface that's infected or has infective material virus and touch your eye, touch your nose, touch yeah. your mouth, you could potentially infect yourselves. And so those are the things we know. We know how to limit its transmissibility. We ask that you keep your hands washed. If you don't have um, soap and water, that you use an alcohol-based sanitizer that has 70% or greater alcohol content, that if you social distance at least six feet, if you're singing or you're doing an activity where you know, you're going to shout, scream, mm-hmm. you probably, not probably, you should, um, Social distance even further, even up to 12 feet. I mean, mm-hmm. we know that you should be, if you're going to be in a large crowd or, or a decent-sized gathering, that you should have a well-ventilated space. Go outside or open the windows. And so we know, um, we know so many things. We know what the symptoms are. So nausea, cough, shortness of breath, fever, stomach ache, loss of taste, loss of smell, headache, we know all of the muscle aches, you know, so many symptoms that we now know are COVID related or likely, you know, yeah. they may be they may be symptoms that someone who is presenting to, for instance, me with I should be concerned whether or not they have a COVID infection. Do so, we know why different people are responding? Like that's what the, it seems like one of the greatest mysteries with COVID, right? Is it's like at first, like, OK, it kills older people. Mm-hmm. the end and right. then it's like no wait a minute we're seeing these cases like even younger people at times That's are right. dying and, and being sometimes you might even have an 84 year old man who gets it like asymptomatic and then you get a someone like me middle-aged 30 and like and they're very sick mm. do we have any strong theories it, on why it's that is true we still understand that it is more likely that an older adult will die from it especially one who has a comorbid condition mm-hmm. and when i say that someone who has diabetes high blood pressure copd heart failure cancer and any um, number of other illnesses and to- you know on top of being 65 years or older or on top of being older in general that they're more likely to suffer from severe infection they're also more likely to be hospitalized and more likely to die. We are seeing more young people affected because now we've got this big population of people who've been infected. um, And we understand that they're less likely to get severely ill. They're less likely to be hospitalized. They're less likely to die, but it isn't off of the table. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one person versus the other, again, elderly, more likely, you know, to have bad outcomes, younger, less likely. And then you've kind of got those that fall anywhere in between. And so um, I think the best protection that you have is to make sure that you prevent yourself from being infected, to do all of these measures that we've encouraged people to do in order to protect themselves from being infected by COVID-19. Sure. So that's the best protection that you have. And I know we're going to talk about vaccines, you know, so, you know, in addition to being vaccinated, because now we have a vaccine, we have several vaccines, actually. um, But that's the best medicine for lack of a better word, um, that we have currently. Um, and that's what we encourage people. Let's not even get, we don't want you to even be infected. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be well. Sure. And these are the things that you can do to um, help with that. You talk about being healthy. Have you, um, have you heard much about vitamin D? I mean, I know you have like the studies that yes. suggest like, yes. I mean, some studies I saw suggested like 84% of people at one point, like that was on an ICU were vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Fauci's like, he's come out and he's recently said that it can help. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a study that Dr. Rhonda Patrick, uh, right. published right. that talked about vitamin D. Right. Um, 
How important is, from your perspective, things like vitamin D to go ahead and begin to to take in on a regular basis? Um, okay. Yay, nay. I I think sure. that anything that you can do to encourage good health, good overall health, is can be. I mean, it can only be beneficial for you. There have been studies against and for vitamin D. seems like the last study that I looked at was really against it in terms of being beneficial for someone with COVID infection. Really? But the healthier you are, okay, overall, you know, lessens the likelihood that even if you are infected, right, that you will suffer from a bad income, I mean, outcome. From my perspective, okay, and this is Dr. Stark's perspective, I think that a multivitamin is beneficial. You know, I encourage it in my patients um, because unfortunately with a westernized diet, we oftentimes don't get the recommended daily allowance of minerals and vitamins and nutrients that we should because our diet is not very plant-based. And so I think that anything that you can do to improve your overall health is absolutely (laughs) important to do. So we, you're laughing. Well, we, we got Bill's a vegan <laughs> over here, man. Yeah, I'm plant based. You're plant based. Oh, good for you. Yeah, man. What's yeah, so funny though? You. Where's my phone at? Uh-oh. What's so funny is is I'm gonna show you this picture here because Bill, you know, big vegan. You know, you're talking okay. about being plant based. He comes over to my house the other day to uh, to eat a steak. I came over to your house and hang out with your family. Uh-oh. And you ate a steak and while oh, wearing this shirt that says oh, powered, God, by, powered plants. by plants. I love it. My my, I asked my daughter. I said. uh Sweetie, I said, what do you, what do you, you said, you see uh, Mr. Bill's shirt. What do you think that shirt means, powered by plants? And she mm-hmm. said uh, that he only eats vegetables. And I was like, well, you would think that, wouldn't you, babe? <laughs> right. But well, that ain't this, true. He's got this big steak sitting <laughs> in front of him. Hey, lots of protein in that steak. So, you know, Absolutely. You <laughs> would you say that diet is, how, how much does diet uh, impact the health of the patients that you're seeing? Oh, my gosh. It affects every aspect of your health. I mean, if, if it's, again, if your diet is good, you're less likely to be overweight or obese. And I'm sure, as you're aware, our, the United States has a problem with oh, yeah. obesity. We're dealing with a big, um, we're dealing with a lot of people who are not just overweight, but they're obese. And being obese increases your risk for so many other health conditions, diabetes, you know, heart disease, just so many other um, conditions come with just the fact it increases your cancer risk just from um, being overweight so diet is super important in really um, helping you to maintain health Um, the leaner you are the more likely you are to not suffer from those conditions and of course the healthier your diet is the more likely you are to be leaner especially if you combine that with um, daily exercise yeah for sure you know it's it's unfortunate that, I mean, and I know you see this, but in our culture, people want a quick fix. And so it's like, okay, I don't feel good. Give me my meds. Right. You know, it's like, that's why I'm here. Right. And in a lot of other countries, even you see where it's like, okay, before I give you your meds, like you need to go exercise for six months and like change your diet and then come back and we'll look at that. But that's, right. um, that's become a big problem in our country. It like, has. Why do you think that's such an issue here? Well, we have choices. Yeah. <laughs> And if you look at certain other countries that some of the freedoms that we may have, many other places may not. Um, So if you live in a country where you know that before you can go to a doctor to ask for a medicine, that you have to have made some lifestyle changes, you're much less less likely to do so. 
But if you live in the United States and you know there's a problem or there's a concern, um, when you walk in the door, you have an expectation that your doctor will do something. The the expectation is that that person should give me a pill or, you know, that person should give me an inhaler. Let's just say, Mm -hmm. for instance, if you're a long-term smoker and you start to have shortness of breath or you have developed something called COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, My my recommendation is always the first thing that you should stop smoking. Mm-hmm. We should figure out a way to help you quit. But oftentimes I people will tell me, Dr. Starks, I got to die from something or Dr. Starks, I'm not quitting smoking. And then I have to, you know, reassess and, and kind of step back and say, OK, well, what can I do to ensure you have a better quality of life that you're not always short of breath or, you know, you're not having some problem with a cough then here I go offering a medication that I know will help, okay? But I always share that, you know, the most important thing that they should do is quit smoking. But sometimes there is some difficulty, and and we're all like that, not just patients, you know. We're all sometimes, totally. you know, it's hard to change, or it's hard totally. to make uh, a change. And so sometimes that that's a little bit of a barrier yeah. um, because they expect for me to provide something to fix it, right? without necessarily making a change yeah we have a saying here and i don't know where we got it from but uh your life basically consists of or basically you're you're little more than the cumulative effect of your daily habits true it's it's the little it's not the big things you know a lot of times we're like oh man it's the big stuff that's going to get you it's like no it's really those little daily habits that you've been doing year after year after year after year and they're just hard to change i can use myself as an example uh i guess about a year and a half ago maybe almost two years now no, no, a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, I, I thought something was wrong with me. I thought I was sick. I was fatigued. I didn't feel well. I had brain fog. And just all of these things were going wrong. And so I went to my doctor, and he was like, no, uh, you're fine. Um, and I'm like, hmm. And he was, he was nice, you know. And what he really should have told me is probably what's wrong with you is you're overweight. Hmm. You need to lose weight. And I came to that own conclusion myself. I'm like, okay, he says, there's nothing wrong with me, but I'm about 60 pounds too heavy. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to live my life like that. And I began to exercise. I cleaned up my diet, you know, and I'm no different. I'm human, right? I sought out the special pills and, you know, the fat burners. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) If there is an easy way, I'd like it. If there's an easy way, even Dr. Starks wants to try it. (laughs) I realized it didn't work. It it didn't work. And what worked for me was changing my diet. Absolutely. Exercising. I, I tried walking every day. And if it was too cold, you know, I was on a treadmill. I got my husband and my children involved. And I ended up losing about 60 pounds that's incredible and today i feel so much better yeah i bet you do today that brain fog and that fatigue and that you know wake up in the morning after i've slept eight hours but i still don't feel feel like i've gotten any rest i had to dr starks had to make some lifestyle changes too yeah that's incredible my wife recently lost i think well i'll say recently it's been over the span of about a year and a half two years lost about 45 pounds mm-hmm. got, got the exact same testimony what mm-hmm. you're saying and then I, we talked about how my brother mm-hmm. owns a gym here in town and so he's very health conscious and he talks mm-hmm. about you know a lot of these kind of like get rich quick schemes or lose weight like if you right. can lose it really fast you're going to gain it back really fast right. kind of thing and it really is about those habits what you That's said right. just making it a is. conscious decision you know i'm not going to live this way anymore mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like at least what I found, it's not, again, it doesn't have to be like this big, massive change. It's, mm. I'm not going to drink sodas anymore. That's I'm right. going to try to walk for at least 10 minutes. 
you know, and That's it's right. it's very easy, I think, whenever you look at someone that's in your position and say, well, like, there's no way I can get to where she is. And you got to look and say, okay, but you got to start somewhere. Like, don't, my brother said, I guess, last week on the podcast, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. That's right. You know, so it's like they had to start somewhere. And so start small, don't get discouraged. Right. And you'll notice a difference if you stay with it. That's right. So um, COVID-19 is, the pandemic eventually is going to be over, but COVID-19 is not going away. Probably not, okay. unfortunately. So... Will it always, well, let's just, let me ask it this way. Okay. If I don't get a vaccine, mm-hmm. okay, um, will eventually my body, is it going to somehow miraculously adapt to COVID-19 to where I'm not going to get as sick as people initially were getting whenever it first broke out? Or is there a way that maybe COVID is just going to, become weaker and it's like i don't have to get a vaccine because hey this thing's gonna die in strength or like somehow like the body's just gonna is that kind of thinking wild and crazy and just like get that out of your mind i I wish um it doesn't seem to be trending that way um because now we have variants yeah you know we had a a strand a strain excuse me of um COVID-19 and now we have multiple ones and it's a virus so it's you know it's always prone to adapt and to mutate or change and so now of course this is Dr. Starks talking um, I don't see that um, there will be a, a particular end and we could just use influenza you know as an example mm-hmm. you know every year you have to be vaccinated for the yeah. flu if you want to lessen the risk that you'll be infected with influenza. And I feel that COVID-19 may be similar to that. Now, how aggressive the strains will be, um, we're not sure. You know, we're still learning um, in all of this. And maybe five five years down the road, we'll have a good answer for that. But the way I would speak to that is that we're still learning. We have some variants right now that I can tell you that the vaccines are not um, effective against, and, and that's scary. And you mentioned, you know, for instance, if you're one of these people who, who doesn't want to be vaccinated, I don't know if you saw me just slump when you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you listen to um, Dr. Fauci and many of the leaders who um, are heads of departments and things who give us, you know, worldwide information, they basically said that in order for us to even come out of this pandemic, that we are going to have to achieve something called herd immunity. Mm-hmm. And so that means when enough people in the population have been vaccinated, that it somewhat serves as a protective factor for those who are not vaccinated. And that number is somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of the population. Right. And wow. currently we're trending at about 11 percent of our total population being vaccinated to date. So we have a long, long time to even if we are following our leaders and those at the CDC and the NIH and so many other organizations who um, are our world leaders in terms of this uh, pandemic, in terms of what they're saying, we're not even close. Yeah. So to say that, you know, there's an endpoint, if we're listening to them, it's not anytime soon. Why do you think people have such a hard time trusting like Dr. Fauci or just anybody that's considered to be an authority in the medical field? Is you think it's because all of the fake news that's out there right now. So yes. you, you just don't know who to trust anymore. Is that one of the big problems? That's I think trust is an issue. Um, fear. Um, fear of something that is new and we're still learning about it. We don't have as much 
information. We have a lot of information, but some of the questions that people want answered, we don't really have answers for currently. We have to tell them that, listen, we're still learning. And as we continue throughout this pandemic, we, we expect to have that information. But today I may not have it. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard for people. Yeah, the unknown, people. the unknown is scary, you know. Totally. I yeah. mean, I think that's I saw a statistic this morning that said like a third of Americans say they won't it's true. get the vaccine. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's like, from what I understand, like, OK, so it's been fast tracked. Right. Like we mm-hmm. know that. That's right. Um, people are nervous about the possible side effects. Like, you know, um, we don't know what all those would be. Like we know that mm-hmm. some people get it like Bill, you did recently and, mm-hmm. and we're, you know, had some fevers, you know, like mm-hmm. it was locked in chills, you right. know? And, and so, but then you hear people who like, Oh man, I feel like I had a real, I got hit by a truck for like three days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think people are uncomfortable with the fact of like, well, we don't even know what's going to happen with this vaccine. Like, we don't know what the side effects are. Like, how do we know that it doesn't cause blood clots or mm-hmm. whatever else? And so, you know, then you have guys like Bill Gates who come out, who is, I don't know if you saw his video, that he, he was like, you know, 80% of people. And he's a big vaccine guy, by the way. Like, he's for, he's like, I think he's got the vaccine. That's he's right. like, you know, 80% of people who get it are, you know, really sick or whatever. I think people like see that kind of stuff. Right. And it does scare us. And so, right. say I'm a patient. And I come to you with all of that. And mm-hmm. maybe there are people that are listening right now and like, okay, come on, Dr. Stark. Seriously, mm-hmm. like, if I get COVID, mm-hmm. chances are, say I'm young like myself, like I did get COVID. Okay. So this is a real, this scenario. Right. I didn't even, I wouldn't even have known I had it if I hadn't lost my smell. Right. Okay. And I've been fine since then. Right. Um, but we don't know what happens with this vaccine. We don't know. It's, and even the experts have said, like, this probably won't protect us long term against the different variants. It'll have to be another vaccine that comes out. What do you say to someone who has those fears, who has those objections? And maybe they're seriously considering getting the vaccine, but they just can't get over, you know, what seems to be like a pretty scary reality. Right. This is what I say. The, the vaccine is safe. It is unique in the fact that we use a molecule called an mRNA or a messenger RNA that our bodies use to make proteins. And so that is used as a vector to get into our cells, okay, and to teach our cells to make a protein similar to the spike protein. I don't know if you've seen that gray ball with all the red Mm -hmm, spikes mm -hmm. sticking out of it. That's what COVID-19 uses to infect our cells. So that vector called mRNA gets into our cells, teaches our cells to make a spike protein similar to the one that COVID uses to gain entry into our cells. And so when our bodies or our cells make that spike protein, our bodies see it and say, hey, that's something different. It's not usually supposed to be here. And we'll make antibodies and memory cells to it so that if you're actually infected, or let's just say you you get exposed, not necessarily infected. Let's say you're actually exposed to COVID-19. It cannot or it has, um, it's less likely to gain entry and to infect you officially with COVID-19. The other thing that the vaccine does is it decreases your likelihood of suffering from severe disease. Hmm. It also lessens the likelihood that you will be hospitalized and it decreases the likelihood that you will die from COVID-19. Because it's produced these proteins That's right. that your body has recognized. Mm-hmm. How is that different from the flu vaccine? This is, so this, the other good thing about this vaccine is we don't give you any COVID. There's a lot of concern about us giving people the actual actual virus. There is no virus, no viral particle 
in this vaccine. And once the body has done what it needs to do in order to produce those antibodies and those memory cells, then it just gets degraded. It it Hmm. goes away, okay? Unlike some of the other vaccinations where we give you a little of the virus itself that may have been inactivated. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, we give you live vaccines where Hmm. there's a little bit of whatever, you know, might cause that disease. It's, It's in the actual vaccine or the immunization. We don't do that with these vaccines. So it does its job and it goes away. It, it, it goes, it's gone. So, so the there's no lasting that people thing. are experiencing, the chills, okay. it's your body warring against this protein. It's like, hey, I know that's not, that's an invader. It doesn't need right. to be here. So we're, we're doing right. what we're supposed to be doing. That's right. So then whenever this new, the coronavirus, whatever protein mm. or whatever, the that's right. enters into the protein. body, the spot protein enters mm. into the body. It's like, oh, I've recognized this. That's like, right. I know what's up with this. And, like, we're and that right. reaction is your immune system saying, hey, I, I got work to do. I need to do something. And it's no different because a lot of people will have those same reactions when they get a flu vaccine or when they get, you know, a measles uh, immunization. Many people have that because I tell people, I say, actually, it's, a, it, it's very uncomfortable. You don't feel well. I said, but it actually lets you know that your immune system is doing what it's supposed to do. It's seen something that's foreign. It's going there to produce antibodies, to produce memory cells, to get you ready for if you actually get exposed to whatever it is we're trying to protect you against. So I'm like, that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, it yeah. seems horrible. And yeah. it's true, but it, it happens with, and that's why I don't know if you, you know, many parents remember this or, or uh, think about this. When your child gets vaccinated, we hand you this vaccine information sheet that says, hey, your, pa- you know, your baby may develop a fever or your baby may not feel so hot for the ne- next several days following this vaccination. Please be, aw- you know, please know that it is generally normal. It's a normal response. Give them Tylenol, hydrate them, let them rest. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so hopefully to allay um, people's fear of that, it's no different than if I gave you any other um, vaccination. It is the immune system seeing something foreign and responding to it. And, and in this case, it's actually producing the things that you need in order to protect you against COVID infection. How long will it protect us from COVID? Do we know that yet? I always get asked that question. And I don't have a good answer for that yeah. one. Um, I, I was looking for an answer this morning um, because I knew I knew you were going to ask me that. Mm. And the, the studies, um, basically the CDC says that we're still learning, that we're not sure yet. And again, now we have... Um, variant virus that is um, different from the current strain. And we know that um, all of our vaccines are uh, effective against a couple of the more well-known variants, but there's one um, that it's not effective. So how long our vaccines are going to be effective, we're still working on the answer to that question. But I always say, you know, some protection is much better than none. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, it's more likely, I mean, if you're going to take a gamble with your life, because you asked a good question earlier, like, who, what determines whether or not, and I gave you some, you know, kind of some in general responses, but we've seen cases where you're right, with someone who's been totally healthy, gets infected with COVID and dies. And everybody's like, what? what? Where did that come what from? What happened? Yeah, that was a marathon And runner. so I just tell my patients, do you want to be that one person? Sure. Or would you rather take a vaccine that is safe? We've had people are always worried about um, severe anaphylactic reaction. And I think that rate is like five and a million, you know, will have a severe, I mean, like a all-out shortness of breath, you know, bad rash or just a really bad um, 
reaction, and I think that's the Pfizer number. And then we have another um, vaccine that's made by Moderna, yeah. and I think that rate is even lower. It's like 2.8 2.8 people out of a million will have a severe anaphylactic reaction. And so I think that those are, and forgive me, I'm not trying to be facetious, facetious in sure. saying this, but yeah. I always say you have a, uh, more of a likelihood of walking out your house getting hit by a car yeah. than you do sure. to have a severe anaphylactic reaction to um, any of these vaccines. So to have, some, to have something that affords you some protection from potentially dying, I say is beats nothing. Yeah, that, that would be my. I think my yeah, a lot of people are playing the odds of like, yeah, what is the chances that I get super sick with COVID, and what are the chances that I get super sick with the vaccine? And mm-hmm. from what I hear you saying, the chances of you being young and getting really, really bad sick from a vaccine, and the chances mm-hmm. of you being young and getting like really, really sick with COVID or having mm-hmm. long term effects. That's right. Like you're going to take your chance of the vaccine. I'm taking my chance with the vaccine. Because we don't really know, right, the long-term effects of COVID yet. No, we don't. We know some of them. We know that there are lots of people who will um, get infected and recover, but they may have issues with shortness of breath. Yeah. Or they may, you know, they haven't recovered their sense of taste or smell. Mm -hmm. And so we call those long haulers. And so we know now that certain people will be long haulers. They'll get COVID infection and you know, certain things will just never recover. They may have a cough that doesn't seem to go away or shortness of breath that they, there's no explanation other than the fact that they got COVID, they were short of breath, the infection is now gone, but they're still short of and breath. And there's the blood clot issue. And there's right? a blood clot what issue. That, it increases what, your risk from, we know that it increases your risk for thrombotic events. How does that happen? And so the, the virus itself, when it infects our cells, that it plays a role in affecting the pathway that increases your risk for blood clots. And so, you know, I just say, Crazy. why take the why take the risk when yeah. we have all these brilliant people? And, and I always use this as, as an example, and maybe it's not a good one, but, you know, the people who were initially offered the, the vaccine were, you know, physicians and your first responders and all these people who have jobs as servants. They take care of other people. And to kill off... <laughs> That, that population of people, I just don't think anybody, I don't think there's scientists out there that, you know, and I know there are a lot of theories and there are, you know, conspiracy oh, theories and yeah, stuff. All over the place. I just think that, you know, just think about that to wipe out an entire population of physicians and even our world leaders. You know, a lot of our world leaders took the vaccine early on, you know, before it was offered to the general public. Oh, and, for sure. And so to do something that treacherous oh my gosh that would be a real master mind but let me just say <laughs> let me just yeah. in, in defense of all of that we're all still standing um as you can see your doctors you know who've had the, and i'm one of yeah. them who i'm fully vaccinated i did well i didn't have any side effects to the um to the vaccine but i know that a lot of people are really fearful and and they are concerned and you rightly so it's your health um you should be but again this vaccine um was was designed um, to protect the American public and not just the American public because they're you know we're vaccinating worldwide but I'm talking about here in the United States it was designed for us and to prevent the loss of life to prevent severe infection to prevent hospitalization oh my gosh who wants to see their loved one mm-hmm. on a ventilator in an ICU and yeah. in many instances guess what you can't even go in and see that patient yeah. how hard why even put yourself at risk sure. for being in a situation like that because I've heard story after story where you know what I dropped my loved one off at the emergency department 
off at the emergency department only to find out that I could not enter. My loved one gets admitted. I cannot go in the hospital to visit. And I'm wondering what in the world is going on with my loved one because I cannot be there. So I think that the vaccine affords us some protection from COVID infection and that we don't have to be placed in those types of situations. Yeah, it's good. So I've had COVID. Um, Do I need to get vaccinated? You absolutely do. Okay. It is absolutely recommended. Whether or not you um, had COVID or not, the vaccination is recommended. Um, We do say, and the CDC has suggested, that if you've had COVID, right, Mm -hmm. that you wait 90 days because we under what we understand currently is that you may have natural immunity for at least 90 days. And so we know that at least in that 90 days, you're less likely if you get exposed to be infected with COVID, Mm -hmm. right, if you've been previously infected. Mm -hmm. And so we ask that you wait so that other people who have not had COVID Mm -hmm. um, are allowed to be vaccinated before you. But it's not a hard and fast rule. You know, if you're in the um, current phase and it's your time to be vaccinated, then by all means, go ahead and be vaccinated, whether or not you've had COVID infection. When you're fully vaccinated, there's some benefits, too. The CDC just released some new recommendations, I guess about a week or so ago, that those who are fully vaccinated can now visit with others who are also fully vaccinated from one household without their mask and without the need for social distancing. I mean, how great is that? That's That's some awesome news. And also those who are fully vaccinated, you can visit with those who are not vaccinated if they are at low risk for infection. So if you're fully vaccinated, for instance, and you want to go visit your 30-year-old healthy brother and you don't want to wear your mask, the CDC says that's safe to do so. Hmm. Now, they don't encourage if you're fully vaccinated and you want to go see your grandmother who's 70 and has a heart condition, we don't encourage that you go visit without a mask and without social distancing and without keeping your hands washed, covering covering your cough. We recommend still that all the other previous recommendations for COVID prevention, excuse me, COVID prevention, I can't talk, COVID prevention are in place. (laughs) You're doing good. (laughs) But um, yeah, we recommend that those stay um, in place, but being fully vaccinated has benefits now. You, are you missing your loved ones? (laughs) And you want to be, you know, you want to visit safely, well, get COVID vaccination, you know, and be fully vaccinated. And that that definition is you have to be two weeks away from the second dose of the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine and two weeks from the one dose vaccine, which is the Johnson and Johnson. So two weeks out from the second dose. And I got another one. This is another um, really good thing about if you're fully COVID vaccinated, if you get exposed, now you don't have to quarantine. If you're at least two weeks out from the second dose, yeah. if you're asymptomatic, okay, and if you're within 90 days of the um, second dose of your vaccination, if you get exposed, you don't even have to miss work now. And in terms of effectiveness of the vaccines, we have three current vaccinations, Pfizer, Moderna, which are two-dose vaccinations, and the Johnson & Johnson, which is a one-dose vaccination. We consider you fully vaccinated um, following the second dose of the Moderna and the Pfizer uh, vaccinations, and following the first dose, two weeks following that, we consider you fully, vaccination, fully vaccinated um, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, but the effectiveness rates are awesome. It's 95% for Pfizer, 94% for Moderna, and then 72% overall for the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. And those rates are really high. That means that you have a very small likelihood, if you're exposed to uh, COVID, of 
developing a COVID infection, unlike um, the influenza vaccination. In any year, you know, the effectiveness of that vaccine can be somewhere between 40 to 50, maybe even 60 percent effective. And here we have these vaccines that are in the high 90s in terms of their effectiveness. And they are awesome in terms of their level of protection. And so I just think that it speaks to the fact that um, they are effective, they work, and they were developed to protect us. And they do a fine job, at least in the research studies, they did a wonderful job of preventing COVID infection. Anything somebody can do to reduce the uh, the symptoms of the vaccine? What, what are we going to do? Take Tylenol? Take Tylenol, rest, um, eat healthy. You know, if you have a fever or headache, again, multivitamin, multivitamin yes, I'm a big proponent of, of multivitamins, like I said, just to ensure overall general good health. But um, those, are, you know, stay hydrated, take good care of yourself. Um, I got water right here. That's right. You and I both got bottles of water I'm right drinking. here. So anything that you can ensure that you're already otherwise healthy, then absolutely. But no, I can't. Um, if you're going to have side effects, unfortunately, there's nothing in particular that we can per se give you. Um, but again, short-lived, they are in general, they've been minor, and we've had very few severe um, allergic reactions to the vaccine. And it's safe, and it's designed to protect us, again, from the bad effects. Um, yeah. And we don't want to see anybody else die from this this terrible yeah, yeah. Uh, virus and infection. Yeah, Even our own governor is considering ending the mask mandate at the end of this month. He's given us two benchmarks that he's going to use to determine whether or not he's going to enforce, okay, the mask mandate. He says he's going to still strongly recommend, but the enforcement piece will be removed. He says if we have, um, if we're testing at least 7,500 tests per day with a positivity rate of less than 10%, or if we have less than 750 people hospitalized. And to date, we're meeting those benchmarks. Mm. So we're gonna likely lose the the enforcement of the mask mandate, but we're gonna still strongly recommend that every person uh, wear their mask. And people continuously ask me where, what I feel about that. And I'm like, you know, what I feel is that um, you should continue to wear your mask. You should continue to social, di- because again, we have variants. and. T- Two, the UK uh, variant, which is here in Arkansas, and then we have the South African uh, variant. All of the vaccines we currently have um, are effective against those variants, right? But we have one variant. It's the Brazilian variant that none of them work against it. They, they're, you know, they're doing research. You know, they're in trials trying to um, develop a booster or, or another vaccine that will cover many of these vari- variants. But again... We've got all these new variants that are popping up and whether or not these vaccines will continue to be effective against those that will develop is unknown. So I am I'm saddened to see that. But, you know, he's the governor. He has a a right to do. And I I understand why he's wanting to do that. Um, But, you know, of course, I'm a doctor, so I'm on the opposite side of that. And I just want to see people remain safe and and people. And I'm glad that he's still um, highly recommending that people wear their mask um, and do everything that we've talked about in terms of preventative measures to prevent your exposure or you getting infected with COVID. But a lot of states were losing mask mandates. Man, you know, it's yeah. it's crazy because in America, like we hate authority. 
We really do. Like, I mean, I, I, not every American, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking, but like, we, we're just not a fan, whether it's, you know, parents or principal, like, right. you know, uh, police, government, right? right? The, no one's going right. to tell me what to do. It's like I, myself, like I am my own authority. And that has been, I think, killing us, I think, as a society, like, okay. metaphorically speaking, okay. for a while. And it's mm-hmm. like, then we saw, like, physically it begin to kill us because... Right. A lot of other countries I've noticed did well because they followed the mask mandate. And they were just like, all and right, they, well, if the experts it. say do it, we're going to do it. But here right. it was just like, man, I'm not wearing a mask. And that's right. Man, I've been a germaphobe my whole life, Dr. Stark. So I'm like, I'm right. not living any different, you know? <laughs> it's like I've been washing my hands six, seven times a day. I'm cool with the mask. We got to skip the flu this year. Yeah, man. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Or right. I did. And yeah. so. We did. We saw very. Man. We saw very few cases in the clinic and yeah. very few cases in the hospital. That's I'm amazing. talking about, you know, I can count on maybe yeah. one hand. And we've had some really bad flu seasons. And we've had some really bad. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a testament to the fact that masks work. They do work. Yeah. yeah, masks work. So I know you brought several things to talk about, or at least one thing to promote. This is uh, this podcast is coming out on March 19th, and I believe there's an event. Yes, coming up. there is a free COVID-19 vaccine clinic. It will be Saturday, March the 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Paragould Community Center, and that's at 3404 Linwood Drive. And so for those who meet Phase 1A and Phase 1B eligibility, and that is on the Arkansas Methodist Medical Center website, if you'll um, go to our Facebook page, um, you will see the information. We're asking that you schedule online, or you can call, let me make sure I have this number right, you can call one 573 Four two two three from eight a.m. to five p.m. Um, that's actually um, Sunday through Sunday. That that number is available, and someone will be there to answer it. And they can also schedule you an appointment. But we want to encourage everyone to please, please, please. It's free. You don't need um, insurance. You don't have to have any money. We just want you to be um, a member of the Phase One A and Phase One B. Um, categories and again those who meet those qualifications um, the list is on our Facebook page I mean I'm sure you'll also see advertisement for this in our newspaper and many other sources and you can also call 187 1-870-573-4223 for more information or schedule online and there's a link on that um, Facebook advertisement um, for you to also to be able to schedule an appointment to be vaccinated. And I also wanted to mention that the governor has also established a new vaccine hotline that's open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And this is for anyone. If you need any vaccination information, if you want to know where to receive a vaccine, uh, what places are offering it, and information um, on how to schedule appointments, and they will even assist you in setting up an appointment. There's been concern about some of our population having difficulty setting up their appointments online for Walmart and Walgreens and other places, and so they will assist you with all of that. And that number is 800-985-6030. And again, I'm going to give you that number. It's 800 985 6030 and that number is open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Excellent. Dr. Starks, you're awesome. Oh man. Thank too, you for making space. Kind. Well, thank you for making space to come on here and I hope that we get to do it again in the near future. So, um, you are a 
big blessing to our city. Thank you. Appreciate you. Certainly appreciate you all. Thanks for asking me to come on. So that was Dr. Tasha Starks. Um, I, you know, have talked with Dr. Starks, I guess, a couple times leading up to this podcast. And I was always um, just really impressed by how personable she was. Obviously, she's brilliant, um, but also like she's so articulate and just an excellent communicator. So um, I loved getting to spend time with her. I feel like she's somebody that, um, yeah, both of us would want to hang out with more. And I, I imagine anybody that's around her kind of gets that same vibe. So I really feel that our our city is blessed to have someone like her uh, serving in our community. And so Dr. Starks, thanks again for coming on. And to those of you who are listening, we want to thank you again um, for tuning in. And if you have not already uh, subscribed to our email list, please do that. You can also find us on the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you've not already given us a review on iTunes, we would encourage you to please just give us five stars or give us a review that helps people to find us and learn more about the people that are living here in our city. And so again, thanks for listening. Until next time.